Before we start this episode, after recording, we learned that rugby league legend Tommy Radonikus had passed away at age 70. One of the greatest halfbacks to never win the comp, Radonikus is remembered as a skillful player who never took a backward step physically, showing that the little player can play with a big heart. He played 24 games for New South Wales and 20 for Australia, including some captaincy stints. He also coached the Blues to a series victory in 1997, instigating the famous cattle dog call. After a long battle with cancer, the Wests and Newtown legend can now rest in peace. Our condolences to his friends and his family. Pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a rugby league podcast. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Miles Steadman couldn't join us this week, so it's just me and Kieran Gibson as we discuss the players that have surprised us the most this season, the funniest thing we've ever seen on a footy field, and is Peter Villandis to blame for these score blowouts? Kieran, I've got sad news tonight, mate. Uh, no Miles Stedman joining us from Sydney. He unfortunately had to pull out very last notice, uh, late notice, but I'm glad to have you on board on this uh, Team Tuesday for round five. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. And uh, two Brisbaneites that don't go for the Broncos uh, can't get any better. Yeah, honestly, you don't want any Broncos fans uh, at all on this podcast. And if we ever come across any, they will not be getting a shout out. Um, let's just jump straight into our <laughs> bold predictions uh, before we start like losing our entire Brisbane fan base. Um, I got six out of eight of my tips right last week, which is huge numbers for Mr. Nicholson here. Uh, and my bold prediction was that Cody Nicarima would have at least two try assists and the Warriors would beat the Roosters. He did manage one try assist, but not try, not two, and they lost. So, obviously, not getting that one. Mr. Stedman got seven out of eight. He did a little bit better. And his bold prediction was that Coates would score multiple tries on Friday night against the Storm, but the Broncos would still lose. Well, he was right about that. The Broncos lost. And Coates did score a runaway try where Josh Adokar seemed to give up on him. But uh, not multiple tries, so not quite right there for Miles. And Kieran, you got six from eight in controversial circumstances. Yes, yeah. I was just saying to Bo before the pod started for listeners out there that I, I thought I had the Roosters or, yeah, the Roosters picked in my um, NRL.com tips and uh, I unfortunately changed to the Warriors late. So it pays to go back and just make sure that your tips are who you want at the last minute. And your bold prediction was that the Roosters and Warriors game would change hands. The league would change hands four times for the Roosters to eventually win. So your your <laughs> podcast tip was actually seven from eight. So I'll, I'll almost pay that. But the league, did it change at any point? Or were the Roosters always in front? I can't remember. Uh, so the Warriors went out 12-4. And then it was 16-12 at halftime. And I was praying the Warriors would get the first try in the second half because I... I didn't think that the Warriors would win, but I thought if they can at least just take the lead again, then that'll be my bold right. But no, I think the lead's changed twice. If you count from the Warriors taking the lead from after the kickoff, it changed twice. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's only twice. But look, we can't call that three times. Uh, I would say that uh, you were probably the closest, but realistically, Miles wins the week because he got seven from eight and was not silly enough to change his tip to the Warriors. Kieran, I can't stress this enough. You need to stop listening to me with your tips. Please stop. <laughs> was that what you learned from round four, by the way? What did you learn? Ah, I guess I... I learned more than one thing. Uh, that That is something that I learned. But I, I also learned that the Eels are the real deal. Yes, they should have won by more, but they didn't go into their shell when the Tigers clawed their way back into what seemed an unwinnable game. Um, they're now 4-0 and to start the season, and I think that they've got a very winnable game against the Dragons, although they are 3-3 three from three on Sunday. 
Um, and if they win it, they could easily be sitting on top of the ladder. And also, just to add on to what I've been saying in previous weeks, um, I think that they've finally got that winning mentality. They've gone into that. It's very early days, but I, I do think that they've got that uh, grittier winning mentality that's kind of been missing in previous seasons. Yeah, we we all tipped that they would be at least in the top six this year. That looks a very, very safe bet indeed. And uh, have they unlocked something that will take them deeper? We'll soon find out. Well, not soon. Hopefully it'll be five months away, but we'll see. Uh, what I learned this week was that Sam Walker seems pretty legit. Uh, he didn't have a blinder by any stretch, uh, but he showed confidence and poise and indicated to me at least that he can do a solid job for the Roosters in 2021. It it will be a hard job, obviously, to uh, steer a premiership contender through to the finals and then you know, through mm. to potential success in his first season uh, without Luke Keery. But, you know, I think he'll do a solid job and the Roosters may not Drew go Hutch- as bad. Sorry? Drew Hutchinson, sorry, Drew, Drew Hutchinson was really good by his side as well. That, you know, they could, they could still, I don't think they will, but they could potentially get top four and go raring into the finals. Wouldn't that be something? And, and as Miles said, it, it seems unlikely, but if Sam Walker is one of those generational talents, uh, who knows, anything could happen. Let's jump into our wildcard awards for round four. Uh, I'll start us off. I've got the Edward Scissorhands Award for poor ball control, and that goes to Blake Ferguson, whose calamitous handling and footwork that even a drunken penguin wouldn't be proud of, proved to be a concern for the Eels in the first half on Easter Monday. He did have a much-improved second half, however, including two tries. But, Kieran, his first half was bloody hilarious. So he gets the Edwards Hands Award for poor ball control. What is your wildcard award this week? Oh, well, just on Blake Ferguson, I, I honestly almost changed what I learned purely because of Blake Ferguson. Uh, if there's a weak link in that side, I, I kind of think he's the one. Um, but hopefully the, the Eels stay on the right track. It's been a, a long time without a premiership. But I've gone with a uh, something after last week. I've gone with a bit of a, a throwback award, which mixes with one of our segments from last week. Um, that was a bit long-winded. It's, it's the favourite not very good player award, which goes to Tarek Sims. He was superb on Saturday afternoon, and, and I think he virtually won the game for the Dragons. Um, the whole Dragons forward pack stood up, though, as uh, Gus rightly pointed out. They were really physical and, and really took the game to the Knights. Uh, and Tarek Sims scored two brilliant tries, mixed with a bit of fortune, but he did uh, forge that uh, bit of luck on his own with uh, going for the charge down. He was a bit lucky that the ball stayed in the field. I think he... I can't remember if he scored both of his tries off charge downs, but he was brilliant. You sound a little bit like a salty Cowboys fan, saying he's not a very good player because he was he had a bit of fire for us. Didn't did you not rate him back in the day? Oh, I loved him. Um, he was awesome then, and I, I wish he was still that good. I guess that's why I say favorite, not very good, um, just because he's kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, just not been great. But, I mean, he, he played Origin as well, so maybe I should, I'm wrong to knock him, but. Uh, I, he hasn't quite lived up to expectations, I guess. I mean, he, he's no Shane Trunk, let's be real. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's jump into the news. We have uh, a few things to get through, actually. But first up, I, I wanted to know, Kieran, which player has surprised you, in a good way, the most this season? Um, I've got... I guess we have a bit more time to talk. I've got most Eels players, to be honest. Um, I, as I said before, I didn't think that they had a, a, an elite gear in them, and I... I know the only real uh, top team they've knocked off this season is the Storm, if I'm remembering correctly. I hope I am. Sorry, Eels fans, if I'm not. Um, I know you like to fight your own fans, as you did on Monday, so please don't try to fight me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> but but they, they, have re- they have really impressed me this season. Uh, in particular, um, Reed Marnie, Clint Gutherson, and Mitchell Moses. But if I had to single out one, it would be Marnie, who's gone to the top of the Dalian M board, Bo, and... Uh, People, including myself, saw him as an excellent passer of the ball with quick, perfectly spiraled delivery that helped get the Eels on the front foot. But he's really added a a running and kicking arsenal to his game. Um, And with a plum, I think he's the form hooker of the competition and arguably player of the comp right now. You're not wrong about that. Another Eels player that caught my eye was, and you've mentioned him last week, was Nia Kore uh, moving out to right centre. He's looked fantastic as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's awesome and scored a try on Monday, uh, which is all that he was missing from his few previous performances. Yeah, he's been really good. My my person that has surprised me the most is Will Kennedy um, from the Sharks, the fullback, oh, yeah. but particularly his evolution into a 
a reliable ball player, coupled with the fact that he's you know he's already a damaging runner. He's got a high work rate, scores tries pretty regularly. Um, but you know now that he's got that pass, he can turn those uh, those overlaps into almost guaranteed points now for uh, Mulatalo and Katora mm. on the wings there and Hiroti. It'll be an interesting headache when he. Matt Moylan, Sean Johnson, and Chad Townsend are all available at the same time. I, I really don't know how that will go. I, I've got a funny feeling that Kennedy will miss out or Chad Townsend, and you know, they're both playing pretty good football. So uh, Will Kennedy is the one that has impressed me the most, but I, I do agree with you, a bunch of eels as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's kick off into the next little bit, which is about some uh, trade rumours we've been hearing, Kieran. There's, there's been a few flying around. Uh, we, you know, the likes of DCE, Adam Reynolds, Josh McGuire, Andrew Fafita, Luke Brooks. I'm sure there's others. Most of them probably in there as well. Uh, I thought maybe we could spend a little bit of time just chatting about each one and maybe, you know, how likely it is that they'll move on. Uh, and is it a good idea for the club to let them go? Um, so let's start off with the manly captain, Daly Cherry Evans. Uh, he's on a reported $1.3 million per season uh, until the end of 2023, if memory serves. Um, do you think it would be best for Manly if he is no longer there? Mm, no, I think he has to stay. Uh, I think he's come under fire plenty of times um, throughout his career and he's He's stepped up and uh, turned things around, and um, he's done that at origin level. Uh, he was outed there, and I know he was younger then um, before he turns it around, so it was kind of um, – he had a time on his side, which he probably doesn't have as much so now, but I think his four rounds into the season. Um, yes, Manly went poorly last year as well, but I think it's a little too early to do that. Um, they do have Josh Schuster and Cade Cust there as well that could play in the halves. Um, I, I think if Todd Payton was there, he'd probably, he, he wouldn't mind trying something like that. But DC, the captain, um, he's got a lot of character. People speak very highly of him. I think he should be given at least a, a bit more of a chance before considering moving him on. I think the big problem with his contract is just the, the, the absolute weight of it. You know, like he's going to be paid $3.9 million over, the, over this season, the next and the following and that's a lot of your salary cap tied up in one player. You throw the Travoyevichs into that mix as well, and they're spending, you know, per season, well over three million dollars on just those three players. Um, with Tommy Turbo out so often, DCE not in the best of form, Jake Turbo also not in the best of form. Uh, it, it creates a problem for Manly that I'll probably talk a little bit about later. But my personal suspicion is that he will stay uh, at least until the 2023 contract it's just too much money for Manly to pay for him to play elsewhere and is there a better halfback out there well mm. maybe we've got Adam Adam Reynolds who is also having some troubles at South he's his big concern is they've offered him a one-year deal he wants at least two I think he was thinking more three and four he wanted to sign one last contract for his career I think he's about 30 years old now um, what do you reckon about Reynolds? We've talked about this briefly in the preseason, I think. Uh, there's been some talk about Reynolds playing at the Cowboys. There's been some talk about Reynolds maybe making a switch to follow Michael Maguire to the Tigers. And, of course, there is some talk that the Rabbitohs and Reynolds will work it out and he'll sign a couple of years there. What do you think uh, is going to happen? Look, my, my heart says I, I hope that he's if he's leaving the Rabbitohs that he's too heartbroken to stay um, in the surrounds of the Rabbitohs and so he wants to get away and move up north to the Cowboys but um, I, I would be leaving the Rabbitohs I don't think it's um, ideal to kind of be going on, on one-year contracts to end your career and, and having all that uncertainty and while he's still got a lot of talent and ability um, he, he did score that runaway try against the Bulldogs that actually helped me get my perfect margin for the week the uh, and he kissed the the Rabbitohs uh, emblem at the end as he was running away, and it kind of I thought at first, oh maybe he's he's uh, shown his allegiance there and he's going to stay at the Rabbitohs. But as the Rabbitohs haven't budged on that one year deal, yeah, I think I personally I would be moving on despite um, being a, a local Rabbitohs junior and 
where to i don't know if if i was him i don't know if i would be going to the cowboys though i would probably be looking at the bulldogs if they were interested um i know that they've got kyle flanagan at the moment and then matt burton coming but if they could get matt burton at six and uh adam reynolds at seven i think that would be a, a very good um step for them to move forward and i wouldn't uh be jealous or angry at him at all obviously he's not even at the cowboys so why would i be but i think that would be a smart move for him um I think the Bulldogs make sense. You don't reckon he'll go to the Tigers to follow Maguire? I think he could for sure. And I, I'm actually pretty sure I predicted that in the preseason. Um, mm. Yeah, so yeah, that that would also be a, a good fit. Uh, Adam Dewey, he looks like maybe he can make a fist of that sixth position. So if they can get Adam Reynolds in there to steer the ship a bit more and then Adam Dewey, he just <clears throat> pops up where he can and... Uh, work a bit a bit of magic that he does have he's he has some a bit of flair uh, i think that, that could be good for the tigers as well obviously um a lot of the clubs that he's been linked with are, are clubs that kind of are rebuilding uh so if he's okay with that he's probably, he's probably gonna have to be okay with that because it doesn't look like there's too many big clubs after actually the broncos would be another good club um for him to go to I think the Rabbitohs buckle i think he'll sign a two-year deal they might talk him down to 800k instead of a mil or something like that but i think he bleeds cardinal and and mm. uh and the other one uh, <laughs> and myrtle i think it is the cardinal and myrtle uh and i i think they will buckle as you say they've been very staunch on this so far saying they won't but i don't know i just got a funny feeling that they will they, they they'll they'll make that work uh talking about uh, players that might be on the move as well as Josh McGuire, who has been fairly vocal at the Cowboys, talking about the lack of effort of the players at training and, and how that's reflecting on the field. Uh, Andrew McCulloch, a, a brand new recruit at the Dragons, um, someone that was coached by Anthony Griffin along with Ben Hunt and Corey Norman at the Broncos, uh, is encouraging Josh McGuire to make the move to the Dragons. Do you think... Maguire to Dragons A is going to happen and B is it good value for the Dragons and good business for the Cowboys um, A yes I think it will happen although I, heard, I actually read today that um, they've not cooled their interest but uh, negotiations haven't kind of uh, built on what they, they were the Dragons expressed interest I believe last week or the week before and then after that there's not been much more um, it's still early days though and I, I do think that the Dragons uh, all due respect to their forward pack, it would be a, a good addition. Um, I don't think it's... Uh, I can't remember what the other two points were, but I, I don't think it's a good idea for the Cowboys. Um, I, I I like a leader to come out sometimes and, and uh, give it to the club, especially when you consider our form. It, it's not been a, a short-term thing. I think if you're a leader, uh, if you're losing short-term, it's, it's good to stay positive. I think that that's probably more common sense, but... Uh, it doesn't appear as if Maguire was too uh, vocal and negative about the Cowboys when we were in losing poor form early. So um, now that he's come out and said it, I, I feel like he's a good leader for the Cowboys to, to keep. So I'm struggling to see why we're, we're um, telling him that he can leave, although I don't know what goes on behind doors, closed doors. Um, but yeah, good for the Dragons, bad for the Cowboys in my opinion. Yeah, I think I understand that he's on about 650k a year. So that's quite expensive for a forward that you're for a middle forward that's playing off the bench. Um, but like you know, as a Cowboys fan, I wouldn't mind him staying either. I think he offers better value than say Jordan McLean and Cohen Hess. Plus, mm-hmm. we are losing Francis Molo next year as well to the Dragons, as it turns out. Um, but I suspect the cleanout is real. And I expect that he will leave. Uh, so I'm not holding out much hope that we're going to keep Josh McGuire, which will disappoint me. And I think it is good value for the Dragons, particularly if they can get him around that half a mil a year, maybe less would be even better. Um, but And the Cowboys may need to pay some of that pay packet. Yeah, and, I think he'd absolutely take it. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew Fafita is someone that is very much on the outer at the Sharks. He's, he sits outside their 17 still at this point apparently he hasn't been kicking stones he's been going back to reserve grade putting in good performances he's staying on the reserves list for the sharks uh he has also been spoken about as a potential signing for the dragons and elsewhere what do you think what's going to happen with andrew fafita he's oh what will happen 
I'm not sure. I, I think he's too much of a, a flash in the pan player. Obviously, you just said that uh, he's been going back to reserve grade and uh, giving a, a good accountability of himself with a good attitude and not been kicking stones. But I I fear how that translate when uh, it really comes to NRL level and, and he, if he gets too comfortable there um, again, if he gets back and he kind of cements his spot, will he just fade away really quickly? If the Dragons do sign him, I'd only be signing him on a one year deal. Um, I really definitely wouldn't be looking to do any longer than that. And he's had injury worries. I I almost think his time could be up in the NRL, to be honest. I'm with you 100% there. I don't think there's as much value for the Dragons in that one. Um, I think let him take up as much of the Sharks' cap as you can. Uh, and I do stand by my preseason prediction that he will retire at season's end. So I'm, I'm with you pretty much 100% there. Let's talk about Luke Brooks. We are in a group chat with a guy named Christopher Waring, who is a bleeding heart Tigers fan. And uh, he has a bit of a, uh, a motif that runs through the group chat where he says that people suck a lot. He says people suck a lot. And Luke Brooks might be the second most suckiest player in the competition, to, according to him, except for Moses Mbai, of course. Maybe Kalen maybe Ponga as well, maybe third. Um, Tigers fans have had enough of Luke Brooks. He's been there for most of the decade that they have not made the finals. He doesn't appear to be improving enough to be the person that you build a team around. So it appears that maybe he might be on the outer there as well. Um, What do you think happens with Luke Brooks? And if the Tigers do let Luke Brooks go, you know, if they don't get someone like an Adam Reynolds, what's out there? I I think he could actually survive a potential Tigers cull if they do decide to get rid of a few more players. Um, I think he's actually uh, fortunate for the fact that he hasn't reached the height that people have um, said that he would and that they're still holding out um, hope that he, he will get to that or, or somewhere near that. I think if he had, say, for instance, had a, a 2015 Anthony Milford season and then he'd just gone to shit, uh, I think he'd be he would have been shown the door by now. Um, but because we haven't seen that potential yet, maybe the Tigers are, are somehow still holding out some sort of hope. Um, and he was, to be honest, he, uh, or to be somewhat fair to him, he was a lot better against the Eels. I thought he showed good support play. Um, he assisted that try to uh, Jacob Little at the end that nearly inspired a, a late Tigers comeback. Um, I, I think it's too little too late, though. If, if I was in charge, I would be getting rid of Luke Brooks. And then... Well, what do you do at that point? Like, do you keep Moses Mbai to be your halfback? Do you call Benji Marshall out in his wheelchair to come out <laughs> to be your halfback? Like, do you... Robbie Farrow, is he still running around somewhere? Like, can we get him in to be halfback? Because I'm uh-huh. not seeing a lot of options out there. Like, is it Brody Croft? Is it... Shit, like, uh, Braden Trindle from the Sharks? Is it Connor Tracy from the Sharks? Like, who's... who's? I mean, I know you like Connor Tracy. This is <laughs> this podcast pretty much became the Connor Tracy fan club for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a few weeks there. Um, I, look, to be honest, I'm not seeing a lot of good halfback options out there. Yeah, that's completely fair. Um, and you're you're very right. Uh, yeah, I don't know who you go with, but I, I, yeah, I'm just not sure if... It's very, I guess, easy to be angry at a player when they're just not producing the form that they can, but I, I do uh, agree I have to consider the what's the alternative and if there's nothing better. Luke Brooks can... Uh, steer a side around and with all due respect to the Tigers they don't have the best roster so um, maybe he can he can uh, stay and, and prove something of himself he can prove to a lot of doubters wrong I think Milford's doing that at the moment um, a bit more so at least um, we'll get on to him a bit later but maybe he can channel some of that Milford energy where push really comes to shove Milford and energy that's a that's a couple of uh, <laughs> words you don't hear often next to each other let's talk about Anthony Milford because Miles was on the money in the preseason I think or it seems to be anyway where he said that uh, when Katoni Staggs returns from his injury he might be given a crack at 5-8 to try and dig the club out of the hole that they're in which could spell bad news for Milford now the things that we're hearing uh, out of out of uh, the newspapers is that Milford with his very expensive contract is likely to be asked to go elsewhere uh, next season with Katoni Staggs being signed up on pretty good money to play as 5-8. Do you think that's the right decision for the Broncos? 
I, you can't lose stags, but I, I still don't know if it's the right decision. If it's, if it's the only way to keep stags, then yes, it is the right decision. Milford has had his time. I think um, if he goes, he can't be salty at the Broncos. He would have to realise, and he probably does realise, that uh, he's had ample time to turn around his form. The only thing I would say, though, is is when push really has come to shove this season, when Milford has had to step up, I, I feel he has to a certain extent. Uh, against the Eels in the first half, he was brilliant. Against the Storm on Friday, yeah, Friday night, I thought he was very good again. Kicked a 40-20, he was getting involved. Uh, he was sparking a bit of attack. Um, and even as a Broncos hater, um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him with Adam Reynolds at, at halfback. Um, yeah, I also don't really like Stags at six. He's been decent when he has played there as a running 5-8, but he's just so potent out on the edges. Uh, I'm not sure how long he would be a work in progress 5-8 for me and I don't know how long that would take to turn around and with the Broncos rebuilding I don't I don't think that's ideal you've pretty much nailed exactly what my thoughts are I I think that it is good business for the Broncos because Milford's had his chance I think and hasn't quite lived up certainly hasn't provided value for money um, mm. and Staggs is a player on the rise uh, maybe he's not a natural 5'8". Maybe maybe he becomes a Jack Whiten, you know, or maybe he becomes, yeah. you know, a bloody nobody and becomes <laughs> another overpaid 5'8 for the Broncos. Uh, but I think it's probably a gamble worth taking, to be honest. So let's move on to the next point, which is with an average points loss margin of 26 points over eight games in round four, so an average winning margin of 26 points per game. Is there a talent gap appearing between the top and lower teams? Well, I, I think I think yes. But what has caused this? Because there is some there are some ruffled feathers going around saying that the bad the new rules are, are bad rules and they they're creating this uh, schism between the two. Uh, sort of groups of teams, I suppose. There's like really shit, really good, and some like half decent teams in the middle. Or is there something else at play? What's what's your call on this? Well, just on the rules part, I think that the rules that have been implemented are fair. Um, I think the only argument that, or thing that you can say about the rules is that they've just really exploited just how good the good teams are. I don't, I don't really think that you can say that it's giving. Like it almost sounds like people are saying it's giving the good teams an unfair advantage. Um, but yeah, maybe every club should should get to train or go train with the Melbourne Storm for a season to see how they do so well. Um, their attitude is just spot on just about every week, and Bellamy fires a cannon up their arses if they aren't on just for one week. So, um, but for me, this this goes back to the nurturing of young talent of clubs uh, or at clubs. Sorry, uh, only to lose their star players to better performing clubs. Um, I think a loan system would be perfect, and I think it needs to be implemented. It, it worked well with. Harry Grant, obviously he went back to a, an incredible club, the Melbourne Storm, but if the Tigers, and the Tigers actually lost Paul Momorowski, they should have been doing much better to keep him there, but I, again, don't know what happened. Um, but I also agree with what Billy Slater argued. He said that um, spine players aren't coached enough to receive the right knowledge and training on how to transform their potential into reality. Uh, there's a brilliant player, just for instance, in Milford somewhere, and, and Kevin Walters in 2015, he found that player. Um, Milford's first season at 5'8", he was brilliant, and he, he went on to have an all-time grand final performance. I, I used to play league, um, and I know so many kids that I played with had ambitions to play NRL, and they would have fallen by the wayside. I think that there's a, a bit of a culture problem in NRL as well. Uh, maybe that doesn't help if they if we can get more mentors in an NRL to to guide kids on the right path. I think um, that that talent gap could uh, reduce as well. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn on this. Like I I agree that a lot of people have said that Valandi's ball uh, has pretty much created that schism, and, and what I've noticed is that it removes. The pressure, the pressure relieving penalty that a lot of teams need when they're under the pump and they, you know, there's an offside penalty that what they don't want is another six tackles. What they want is a break, a kick up field and then six tackles uh, and a chance to wind the clock down. And I think, I think that certainly has had an impact. But as you rightly say, I think the biggest mistakes are made before the rules are even a thing. Like, let's look at the teams that are at the bottom right now. The Bulldogs are only just starting to dig themselves out of their contract dilemma with the back-ended contracts to 
players that were past their prime when they were under Des Hasler. Um, they've lost their first four games and haven't scored a point since round one. So they have a long way to go. The Cowboys have three players on at least a million dollars a year, including a winger and a guy who is likely to be medically retired. That one, of course, is unlikely because that seemed like good business at the time. As I mentioned, the Seagulls have likewise spent, you know, over $3 million a year on DCE, Tommy and Jake Trevojevic, uh, who for varying reasons aren't delivering. The Broncos have been bungling contracts for years and don't even get me started on the Tigers with their contracts. <laughs> The smarter teams are making more astute purchases, which allows them to fill their roster with solid players right to the end of their 30-player roster. And then you suddenly start getting the same teams up there every year, Storm, Roosters, you know. You see a guy like Sam Walker go straight from juniors, reserve grade, NRL, hits the ground running, looks really, really good. You you have full confidence that Joseph Sawali is probably going to do the same bloody thing. There's just not enough of that in the Cowboys, Sea Eagles, Bulldogs, Tigers, Broncos. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with roster management. I really, really do. I think that as the the rules exacerbate the gap, yes, and 26-point average winning margin is not good. Um, but that's partly luck of the draw, too, I think. Like, that was just a lot of games that were very lopsided. But if, if it was like the Roosters versus the Storm, you wouldn't have seen a 26-point difference. Um, and, you know, Eels versus Panthers and Rabbitohs versus Raiders, you know, like if you get a week like that, you're not going to have the 26-point difference. I think you have some three really quality games. Sure. Um, speaking of high quality, let's talk about Mr. Ryan Pappenhausen and his first half blitz against the Broncos, where the Broncos actually took a lead. They were 6-0 in front against the Storm, and that was the best part of the night for them, as Ryan Pappenhausen showed that a good fullback has wonderful speed and support play and anticipation, and he scored four tries in the space of about 11 minutes. Um, And my question to you, or I guess your question to me when you wrote the the list was, is it the best 40-minute performance you've seen from a player at NRL level? And if it is not, what is? And I guess I'll start with you. Uh, Obviously, it was very impressive, but is it the best you've seen? I tried to take bias out of this, and I I actually thought maybe I was giving this uh, 40-minute performance because of I left him out as the GOAT, but I, I think it's no. Um, it was incredible and take nothing away from Pappenhausen, but I think if it was against a more difficult opposition, I would hold it in higher esteem. Uh, I, I think back to when JT clawed the Cowboys back from the clutches of defeat on a Monday night in Townsville against the benchmark team in the Storm. Uh, I just remember thinking this has to be the ten, best 10-minute 10 burst of a player ever. Um, and I still, oh, I probably don't think that, but I would put it above Pappenhausen. To set the scene, the Cowboys were down 17-10 with four minutes to go, uh, and JT just steps up, as he always did for the Cowboys. Needing They needed to go 100 metres, and JT nearly scores on his own with one of his trademark dummies, and then Morgan, um, with the storm retreating and their defence line split, gives the pass assist to Matthew Wright for a Thurston to nail the conversion. Uh, he would go on to um, kick another field goal with, I think, 40 seconds to go uh, on the second tackle as well. So it was an all-or-nothing play um, when he had more tackles up his sleeve and then in extra time he nails a third clutch field goal. Uh, one of the most remarkable comebacks I've ever seen and, and for me it's it's a better 40-minute performance than uh, Pappenhausen. He finished that game with two line break assists, a try assist and I can't remember how many kicking metres but he was just unbelievable as always. If you're not a Cowboys fan, switch off now. I totally <laughs> agree with you. And I've got another one from the same year. I have uh, I have the game in round 13 against the Eels when with about 25 minutes left, the Cowboys are trailing 30 points to six. And then JT, it's, he strips the ball to inspire the first try of the comeback before grubbering to Gavin Cooper for the second. And then for the third, he grubbers while being tackled and off balance for Gavin Cooper. And then he puts up a bomb and it's another try for Gavin Cooper, which is their fourth. And then he puts Gavin Cooper through a gap, which eventuates in a try for Kane Linnett to put the Cowboys in front to win the game. All the while he's kicking like 
sideline conversions because they had to keep going up in six points. They couldn't afford to miss any kicks. So he was kicking sideline conversions and what have you. And it was just in everything. And I, I think <laughs> when I think of clutch, and the Eels were a very good team too. When I think of clutch plays, brilliant halves of football, and he did have some help. Morgan and Cooper were in good touch. And Gavin Cooper obviously scored three of those tries, but they were on a platter from the great man. So I've got JT as well. Um, I can't think of a better 40-minute performance than that. And I tell you what, yours is not far off. Um, in terms of a, of a five-minute burst, I'd probably also go with uh, Kyle Felt with the with the strip in the grand final, then the try oh. in the corner, and then the spiraling kickoff to poor old Benny Hunt. Uh, I'd probably go there too. But uh, that's enough Cowboys for us. That's enough Cowboys. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a short little break. Uh, we'll hear from my other podcast, which is Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. And then Kieran and I are going to talk about the funniest thing we've ever seen on a rugby league field. Back soon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Kieran, I remember talking to you uh, in just a private message that we that we had going on Monday, and uh, and I mentioned that there was some absolutely hilarious shit that happened in that game between the Eels and the Tigers, and you actually hadn't seen the start of it. But I'm glad that you've caught up and seen the, vin- the vision of it, because after Blake Ferguson uh, just ran and fell over randomly, because he just does that sort of stuff, Fergo. He's got the... Uh, the- <laughs> The, the wit of a rock. Um, then Junior Paulo gets an easy bounce up to his chest and just knocks it on, Ben Hunt style. Just classic stuff. Uh, <laughs> what is... It, it got us thinking, didn't it? Got us thinking, what is the funniest thing you've seen on a rugby league field? So I'll start with you, Kieran. And this could be, by the way, uh, I didn't clarify this in the lead-up. It, it could be like, you know, watching the Intra Super Cup. It could be like when you played, when you were a kid. Like, what's the funniest thing you've ever seen on a rugby league field well my memory does come from when i was a kid but it was in a a state of origin game um i have justin hodges who's always great for a bit of banter or a good barb if you will um and it's when hodges put one finger up and pointed to cameron smith and then two fingers up and pointed to danny badiris in origin and said that's why he's number one and you're number two after badiris had knocked on and i just remember thinking Origin is even more badass than I previously knew. I'm pretty sure that was the first season I started watching rugby league, and I, I fell in love even more so from that moment. I, I think that just confirms my love for the sport. Um, I do have a bit of a, a negative one on a player. Um, I don't want to knock him too much, but it did it did give me a bit of a chuckle as well when uh, Brock Lamb, his shank against the Bulldogs after time had expired with the score 20, 20 points to 18 to the Dogs. The kick was to level the scores for extra time, and he... Oh. The, the commentators, the commentators are are absolutely ging him up, and he he just misses by a mile and and goes down on his haunches, and I I really felt for the guy, but it definitely made me laugh a lot as well. Poor fella, I think it, like that little period where he was basically like, okay, here you go, you run the team, and then he had moments <laughs> like that. That poor fella, he uh, I think it ruined his career to be honest. Uh, poor poor thing. Um, I've got a number of funny things that I've seen over the years. When you mentioned Justin Hodges and Origin, I thought you were going to bring up, this might have been before you were watching Origin, you may have been uh, living in another country or something, but he um, he threw two passes in the same game <laughs> in his own in-goal area that led to two New South Wales tries. <laughs> Galaxy I've, I've brain. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I that brings memories back to when the oh, someone threw it to Matt Bowen. Matt Bowen didn't throw it, but in the I think maybe even Paul Bowman threw a pass to Matt Bowen in the in goal against the Tigers. Oh, and did not work. Yeah, I, I can't remember who <laughs> threw it, but I'm pretty sure it happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, not funny though. Not funny at all. <laughs> to be honest, I've erased that uh, game from my yeah. memory. I 
barely remember it even happened. That freaking uh, flick pass from Marshall. Look, the funniest thing that I've seen is it's got to involve a falcon, right? The falcon named after, of course, the Maltese falcon, Mario Fennec, who uh, probably doesn't even know the movie that is being referenced for his nickname. Uh, and he got hit in the head when he was being subbed off. So he was just head down, walking off the field and got hit in the head. Someone passed it straight. I think it was Craig Teven from the South Queensland Crushers has just bulleted something back into his head. So being hit, hit in the head has been called a falcon. And there's been many good ones over the years. Matt Utai comes to mind. Lance Thompson from a, a tap restart. My absolute favorite I can't tell you the exact year. It's somewhere between 2009, 2013. And I know this because Martin Kennedy was only at the Roosters during this time. And I'll set the scene. So what happened was it's many years ago, maybe 10, 10 years ago or so. And the Bulldogs have kicked off to restart the game to the Roosters. It's gone down to the corner on his try line. Mitchell Pierce receives it and looks inside to, of course, the obligatory charging front rower, which is the galaxy brain Martin Kennedy. Um, as soon as Pierce has released the ball, he knew it was a bad idea because suddenly he saw Kennedy tripping and falling into the ball, headbutting it as if he's Timmy Cahill trying to get it into the top corner of the net, <laughs> straight to the Bulldogs, resulting in Josh Morris's third try of the game. This is made, of course, even more hilarious by the fact that unlike poor old Brock Lamb that we're laughing at his expense, it's okay to laugh at Martin Kennedy's expense because he's turned out to be a pretty dodgy human currently in jail for his third year for being involved in an international animal smuggling ring. Uh, the header could not have happened to a nicer bloke. So that is the funniest thing that I've seen on a football field. And there was... Uh, a pretty good field. I could have I could have come up with a lot of things. <laughs> so good, good on you, Martin Kennedy. That's like probably the one good thing you've done in your life. Um, all right, thanks for that, Kieran. Let's take another little break, and then we're going to head into the second half where we analyse the upcoming fixtures in round five. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. We're into the second half now. It's just me and Kieran Gibson tonight because Miles Stedman unable to join us. And usually we would give the first hit up to Miles, but I'll take this one, Kieran, and you can take the next. Uh, this is the Thursday night game from Stadium Australia between the Rabbitohs and the Broncos. The, uh, the big news for ins and outs really is that uh, Cody Walker is suspended and so is uh, Kalor Matangi. Um, so the utility Dean Hawkins has come onto the bench uh, and Benji Marshall has gone from the bench to the number six jersey Jacob Host will be starting in the back row for Koloa Matangi for the Broncos uh, Herbie Farnworth is out with a shoulder injury Richie Kennard is coming into the centres Patrick Carrigan is out suspended Tavita Pangai Jr. will start at lock uh, John Asiata joins the interchange bench at this point Kevin Walters is only named 20 people. It's probably worth mentioning at this point, Kieran, that the 18th man will be a thing um, for this round. Uh, how mm. it will work is that each team, when they name their team one hour before kickoff, will have to nominate an 18th player. That player would be from within that 21-man squad or 20-man in the Broncos case. Yeah. Um, and that player can be used uh, once there has been three HIA, uh, you know, failed HIAs for one team or if there is a HIA failed caused by a player that has committed foul play worthy of a sin binning or a send off so that will be happening so we don't quite know who the 18th person will be for each of those teams at this stage we'll know an hour before kickoff um, look you'd have to say the Rabbitohs are red hot favourites here so I'm going to go with them I think I tipped was it the, was this one the one with the margin I think it may yes. have been I tipped yeah. 26. I took a leaf out of your book. You tipped 26 until you tipped 38 point victory for the Rabbitohs, which proved fruitful for you. I'm going to go with 26. Uh, I just, you know, Cody Walker out, Benji Marshall in. They'll probably score. Yeah, the margin won't be 38 this time, but it might be 26. What do you think? I've got 26 as well. And uh, I think the Broncos will come in with a, a siege mentality and, and no Cody Walker. The Rabbitohs spine was really starting to click. So I think um, Cody Walker could be a, a bit of a, a bigger loss than people anticipate. And Broncos will keep this a bit closer than the Bulldogs. Um, but I've still, yeah, 26 points to the Rabbitohs. 
So basically an average winning margin, give or take, <laughs> judging by last week. Uh, if you could please uh, take us through the next game, which is uh, from the Warriors' adopted home ground at Gosford. It is between the Warriors and the Sea Eagles at 6pm on Friday evening. Well, this is a bit of a, a danger game for the Warriors, I think. Um, it's the coming up against the Seagulls, who are 0-4. And, and as I said before, I think DCE will get the side revved up. Um, I think he's he's has, has that kind of character within him, and he'll, he'll be able to inspire the troops, who will also come into this game with a bit of a siege mentality. Uh, I The Warriors have gone... Won, won one game and then lost another and then won one game and lost another and they beat the Raiders brilliantly in round three. They <clears throat> executed the perfect game plan. Shout out to William Prizman who I didn't see the second half but he told me how they uh, really just went hard up the middle and against a Raiders team that had that were depleted of quality forwards in that game. I think they had no mm-hmm. bench. So yeah, I think that the Warriors probably have a bit more nous. Um uh, when it comes to coaching, although I think Miles would disagree with that heavily, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he might disagree with my my prediction as well. But I, I think that the Warriors, especially with RTS, he it just inspires so much confidence within that side. I said DCE does that, but the Warriors have a bit more quality. The Warriors will win for me. I also think the Warriors will win. One thing I found interesting was they've moved Torhu Harris into the front row. Uh, with Adam Fenua Blake not being available, which is uh, a pretty big loss. So they've got Leeson Armau and Tohu Harris in the front row, uh, which means Jazz Tavanga has gone to lock. But I would have probably left Tohu Harris at lock and used either Ben Murdoch-Missila or Kane Evans uh, in the front row, but that's just me. Um, but I still think the Warriors will get the job done. I'll take the next hit up, which is... A very exciting game, I think, between the Panthers and the Raiders from what is being called these days Blue Bet Stadium (laughs) uh, out at Penrith. The only significant change really for either teams is the welcome return of Joseph Tarpane for the Raiders. He'll slot into lock, moving the impressive Ryan Sutton into the front row and origin rep Dynamis Louis uh, has dropped out of the 17 altogether. The Panthers are unsurprisingly one for 17 after their last victory and having a four on the trot um, trying to build up that winning streak after their grand final boss look uh, look it's hard to explain really but galaxy brain Bo Nicholson is at it again here um, going for the Raiders to beat the Panthers at home I'm just going to claim the Dennis Denuto defense here it's it's just the vibe of the thing uh, so I'm just I'm just going to go with the Raiders what do you reckon it could be a tight one yeah, I, I think it will be a tight one, and I've got a bit of a uh, intuition or inkling or something in my waters, as you used to say, that um, is saying that the Raiders might get this as well. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I just love the Raiders squad. Probably that's w- what it is. Um, they're just filled with so much attacking talent, as are the Panthers. But um, I think that uh, there was a bit of controversy the last time these two played each other last year. Um, I can't remember what it was about, but maybe that'll factor in as well. And I've got the Raiders sneaking it. All right. I'm glad to have your support. You are flogging me in the tips this year. Let's move (laughs) forward to uh, the next game, which is on Saturday afternoon at Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast between the Titans and the Knights. If you could take that one, please, that would be lovely. I think that the Titans will be a bit too strong for this game. Again, uh, the Knights are quite depleted. They do have the one of the superstars of the game, although if you ask Chris Wiring in our chat, he sucks. But Caelan Plummer <laughs> is back. Um, yeah, Connor Watson at 5'8". I think that's probably a good move. I think he had to start at least earlier in the season. I, I don't know why uh, Adam O'Brien's been bringing him off the bench. He does bring a lot of impact and energy off the bench, but I like him as a starter. Blake Green at five or halfback, um, that's... A very good in for the Knights, and I think he probably he was trying to ease him in, but I think that's that could be the deciding factor if it's a close game. Um, but I'm predicting it not to be. I think that the Titans will run away, to be honest. Yeah, I think the Titans will also get this one done. Uh, just, you know, yes, Kellen Pong is a good in for them, but losing Kurt Mann, Mitchell Pierce, to a lesser extent, Tex Hoy, he probably would have missed out anyway. Um, hmm. I... Yeah, I, I think I think this is a, a Titans one, but beware the wounded knight would be my suggestion. 
I'll take the next one, which is between the Bulldogs and the Storm at Stadium Australia at 5.30 on Saturday. I don't have a lot to say here. I'm glad to see, I mean, Lachlan Lewis obviously unfortunately injured from last week, uh, but it's, it's a good opportunity to give Jake Everillo another go at 5.8th. Uh, Dallin Wateniza-Lesniak has returned from suspension and he's jumped into fullback, uh, which seems to be a bit of a, a revolving door at the moment uh, with Hopawade and Corey Allen in the centres. Nick Kotrick will be on the wing. Nick Meany is not available this week. That's why Wateniza-Lesniak is there. Um, they'll be also buoyed by the fact that Luke Thompson and Josh Jackson are back. So that's good. They've um, so they're, It's actually probably the strongest Bulldogs team they've put out this year, to be quite frank. However, the Storm, just ridiculously strong. They welcome back Felice Kafusi, uh, which only strengthens them. Uh, and Harry Grant and Brinko Lee are both in the extended reserves. So they are a chance of making it. I don't think they'll need to bring them back in this game, to be honest. Uh, the, they should roll through the Bulldogs pretty comfortably. What say you? Yeah, I... Um, obviously gamble responsibly, but I, I just have to point to the fact, I think this is the biggest line, or at least the biggest line that I've ever known uh, in a game. I think that the the, the Storm are a minus 24.5, so the Bulldogs are plus 24.5 start um, to win this game, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if that gets run down very quickly. Mm. Storm to yeah. win. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, you've got the next game, which, which is between the Roosters and the Sharks. It is at the Sydney Cricket Ground, which has an asterisk next to it. I'm not really sure why, uh, but that's at 7.35 on Saturday evening. If you could uh, talk to us about what you think might happen there. Um, so the Roosters have an unchanged 17 from the team that beat the Warriors on Sunday night. And uh, as we spoke about before, Sam Walker slotted into that side admirably. Apparently, well, he did. James Tedesco came out and said that he told the side how they were going to play. And for one of the two benchmark teams in the competition, that takes a lot of confidence too. So I was really impressed with his performance. Um, but they're coming up against a Shark side that I think that they're probably the the uh, over-performers of the competition for the last one or two, maybe even three seasons. They've made the finals and everyone's kind of written them off. But they, they have players like Josh Dugan and uh, we said Andrew Fafita, he's not playing anymore, but Aaron Woods. Um, they don't strike me as the greatest players or even sometimes as people that have the best attitude. But I think the store or the Sharks, sorry, as a collective have a very good attitude. Uh, I think that they'll keep this very close. Um, I think that the Roosters will win, but I think it'll be about by one to six points. I agree with you entirely on basically every point. I think um, I think Jesse Ramian coming back into the team in the centres strengthens them a fair bit. Uh, Connor Tracy did a really good job for them in the centres, but he's not a natural centre. He's actually a, pretty much a perfect utility for this team. So uh, him dropping back to the bench is probably a good thing. Sorry, uh, sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I've been surprised by the Sharks. Um, but yes, the Roosters should have the class to get this done. But it is a big task for Walker and Hutchison to, and Freddie Lusick for that matter at, at Hooker to, to get this job done again. But, you know, they, they have some good cattle there. Um, I'm going to try and blag my way through the next game, which is on Sunday at 4.05 from Leichhardt Oval. Um, Gus is favourite and the Tigers <laughs> at Leichhardt on Sunday. And of course... Our good friend Miles Stedman will be there, he assures us. Um, so that's that's exciting. Um, look, I I think... I, I don't know what to say about the Cowboys anymore, man. Like, I'm, the, good, the good news is that Tamalolo is back. That's, that's something, uh, which moved Josh McGuire back to the bench. Um, Justin O'Neill's out. He's got a head knock, so... Uh, Tabio Ifeda will come into the centres. Kyle Phelps back. That's also nice. He's back from suspension. He'll be looking to prove a point. Um, the Tigers, they've they've dropped uh, Kepa Oa. Um, they've moved Talao to the wing and Moses Mbai, who I thought had an okay game off the bench. Uh, he moved into left centre, which I think is actually a really good call. I, I like him at the, that left centre there. Uh, look, these are the, the Tigers have made a better account of themselves this season. Um, I've got no real reason to, to think the Cowboys will win this, um, apart from my heart. And <laughs> it's probably close enough, and they're probably due. So I'm just going to go with the Cowboys. And I've got a feeling you might be in a similar boat. Um, I still haven't made up my mind. I'll, I'll make it up on the fly as I talk, but... 
Uh, just from the Cowboys, um, Peyton's come out. Uh, some of these players that we have, for instance, Kyle Felt, who he has only played the one or two games a season, and then Scott Drinkwater, I thought he was a superstar, but they're, they're just not playing to half the ability that they have at the moment. Um, so I don't know the way forward. Ted, Todd Payton has come out and said that they don't have a lot of confidence at the moment. I hope that he can, I'm sure he can, give a bit more of a in-depth analysis as to why things are going wrong to the, to the actual playing group because just hearing that you don't have enough confidence, maybe I'm overthinking it, but that's not really enough for me to kind of turn around the form that we're in. Um, and the Tigers, as you said, are, are in a bit of a better vein of form. Um, I think they may have only won one game, but even so, I, I too like the move of Moses Mbai to centre. Um, both sides lack direction and a, a real playing identity. I'll just go the, the with my heart and say the Cowboys as well. Man, we sound like broken people, don't we? Like that. <laughs> I got to tell you, when you when you uh, shared last week that the Sharks were tipped by ninety one percent of NRL.com tippers, that broke my heart a little bit. And they won by thirty eight points, so you know, fair enough. But uh, yeah, man, that that really hurt. Um, what should hurt less is talking about the Eels versus Dragons, which is after that game at Bankwest Stadium. Yeah, so it's it's in my least favorite time slot of six fifteen um, on a Sunday night. Uh, I obviously love rugby league, but um, by the end of the weekend, ah, I would like to see this move back to two pm. But anyway, to the to the actual game, uh, I think that they've signed or named largely unchanged teams. Ryan Madison comes in from a head knock in the back row, pushing Isaiah Papali'i to the bench, and he's been awesome this season. He could easily have been a, another player that I named as the uh, the uh, star player that I didn't expect to play so well this season. Bryce Cartwright is set to make his club debut off the bench. We will get to see uh, if he can turn around his career with Keegan Hipgrave and Ray Stone both making way. Jack Bird returns at centre from a one-game suspension with Braden Williami dro- dropping to the bench. Um, yeah, look, I've waxed lyrical about the Eels. I don't think there's much more to say. I, I think when Games get really intense, as they did against the Storm and as they did against the Broncos. They've shown, and even against the Tigers late on, it got quite intense. In every moment, they've kind of shone through and, and got through it with flying colours. Um, I, I can't tip the Dragons despite winning three straight. I think the Eels will make it five in a row. Yep, 100% agree. <laughs> I've, got nothing, I've got nothing to add there. Uh, you covered it all for me, so uh, thank you for that. I, I will add that I'm excited to see Bryce Cartwright play, not because I think he's a good player or even because I like the dude or his politics. I just I want to see him run into Tarek Sims or Josh Kerr. That would be lovely. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about some bold predictions. It wouldn't be a bold prediction to say that Bryce Cartwright's not going to have a great game, so I won't go there. I'll start with Miles's bold prediction that he sent through. He didn't send through any of his tips or anything. Well, maybe he tried to, but he reckons his NBN is playing <laughs> up, so thank you to the Liberal government for that. Uh, Miles said that no on this, on this weekend where the 18th player is coming into effect... Uh, he thinks it'll be a tremendous piece of irony that no player will be ruled out of any team this weekend with a HIA. So no one will fail a HIA this week. Now, that's the boldest prediction we've ever had, Kieran, I think. Um, that's, uh, but, you know, like, like, hopefully well, it comes true. Well, Jake, Jake Friend and Boyd Cordner are playing, so... Could, could easily come true. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Madison is, though. He's been named for the Eels. Oh, so, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, look, my bold prediction, uh, I'm also going to go with a little bit of hope. It's a little bit of hope. Kyle Felt will score two tries on his return from suspension. He's got a point to prove. Uh, I think he'll score two tries. What is your bold prediction? I've got at least two games, and I'll, I'll name the games once I've finished, but uh, I've got at least two games will be decided in the final five minutes with a late try, either a late try, penalty goal, or a field goal. Um, and the games that I think it could happen in are the Roosters Sharks, Tigers Cowboys, Panthers Raiders. Uh, I'll just say those three because that'll probably be a bit unfair, but I think those three games could be decided in the final five minutes. At least two of those three games will be. Um, and it has to be that the side has to come from either behind on the scoreboard or that they're tied and then they go on to win the match. If they're already winning a close one and they go on to win, it doesn't count. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds like a good weekend of football. Much better than the average winning margin of 26 points last week. Thank you for that bold yeah. prediction. I'll leave you. I'll leave that one for you to 
to type that one up for our, our run sheet <laughs> next week because I've got no idea what you just said. <laughs> but I do know what you are about to say when we say uh, thank you very much for this uh, episode tonight, Kieran. I very much enjoyed this. I'm sorry that Miles couldn't join us. Hopefully he'll be here next week. And go the Cowboys. Go the Cowboys and the Lions. And I'm sure Miles would have said, go the Adelaide Rams or something. <laughs> just, <laughs> just something Some random. Some, yeah. Somewhere in the world that's probably defunct. Go there. There's <laughs> a full-time siren. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.